The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the producer for the podcast. Just a reminder to please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them and give us a five-star rating. That way, when someone searches for podcasts on addiction, they will find us because Google will bring us up. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel ever since January 2020. 21, I think it is, maybe 2020, we've been videoing our interviews. And sometimes it's nice to watch them while you listen as well. Please um, subscribe to our channel, give us a thumbs up on our videos, and also ring the bell so you'll be notified when we have new videos that are produced and posted. Today's interview is a little different than one we have done recently. This is an interview with several people And it is about an intervention, a successful intervention that was done. And we thought you might like to hear from not only the interventionist, Bobby Newman, who is a regular on our podcast and an advertiser on our podcast, but also hear from the family of the former addict and the former addict herself. So please enjoy our podcast today with Bobby Newman and I will introduce the rest of the members of the podcast. Bobby Newman, interventionist par excellence. Thank you, not only for being on the podcast today, but also for bringing our guests. Thank you for doing that. Bobby, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. We've had you on a couple different times and we love having you on and telling your stories, but so just give everybody a little background on you. Well, I'm from a small town in, in southern Oklahoma. And when I say small, I mean, a lot of times I've talked to people and they'll say, oh, I'm from a small town and oh, it's got about 5,000 people. And I'm talking 648 people in the town that I lived, grew up in, a high school, went to graduated high school from. And, um, you know, I'm in rural Oklahoma and got into drinking and uh, then eventually smoking weed and then got into other stimulants when I was in college. And it led me to, by the time I was 35 years old, I was looking at seven years in a federal penitentiary and was uh, put into, you know, had a choice option of either A, going to prison or B, going to rehab. And fortunately, I chose the uh, smarter of the two options and went to rehab. So, and then I, as I got, as I went through the program, I got into prevention and then eventually led into other things. And I got into uh, interventions later on and I've actually been helping people for over 20 years now. I was going to say, how long have you done it? So over 20 years. And you, if I remember correctly, you have a pretty high success rate on the interventions that you do. It's, it runs about 85 to 90 percent of the time the person is going to enter treatment. And that's across the board, considering all uh, aspects of the scenarios that all that scenario, different types of scenarios from people that haven't been, you know, live on the streets and people that live at home and just any type of scenario. That's the average is 85 to 90 percent of the time they go to treatment. Right. I know that we could um, probably spend the whole day just talking about all the different stories that you have. However, thank you for bringing to us our guest today, because for everybody listening, you're going to actually get to hear from the family and also from the former addict in terms of Bobby's intervention and how it went down. So, Bobby, tell us who we have on the podcast today. 
Well, I'm going to start with mom. Uh, I have, uh, there's Tammy Johnson, and then there's um, the uncle Brian Villancourt, and then there's grandmother Diane, and then the star of the show is Lexi Johnson. <laughs> awesome. So, Lexi, let's start with you. Give us a little background on how old you were when you got into drugs, kind of how it progressed, where you ended up, like what your drug of choice was. So, I mean, like any other teenager, you're like, oh, you know, people are smoking weed. Let's try it. You know, at that point, it really wasn't a big deal. I wasn't turning to it every day. I wasn't depending on it. It was like, oh, that's cool. Wasn't really a huge fan of it. Um, and then about 18 years old, I believe if I'm doing my numbers correct, <laughs> um, my, I, so what I would do is like when I had, you know, my special time of the month, I would get oxys off of my boyfriend's mother and it would like help because, you know, the cramps were so bad. And by the time I, you know, that would be over, I wouldn't be addicted to it or anything. I know you shouldn't be doing that. But well, Lexi, would she give them to you or you would? Just she would. It, it depended on the month. So if she didn't have any money, I had to pay her for them. If she did have money, she would just let me have them. And it was only like one or two. And I would like space it out just to like get me through the day. Um and like my story is a little interesting because the the drug that put me in rehab wasn't by choice per se. So I had started, you know, snorting the oxys because I could do less of them and I would get the same effects. And then one would last me the duration versus needing three from like putting the whole pill in your mouth. Um, and the one time my ex was putting heroin in with it because that's what his drug of choice was at the time. And by the time that week was over, I like stopped doing it because I didn't need it anymore. And I was like, why, why do I feel like this? And uh, at the time I wasn't really a strong enough person to like walk away and say, like, I'm just going to get through it now before it's too late. And one thing led to the next. And then it was like two and a half, three months later. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I had I was being bombarded by family members from all different angles. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a little bit of like the background. So, OK, so how so you were then using heroin like on a regular basis? Yeah, because I was already addicted to it and the okay. withdrawals were pretty crazy. Okay. So what year was, or how old were you then when you would say you were like full on addicted? I think I was, I think I was 19 turning 20. Okay. And then they got me sort of. It, it's Okay. <laughs> Somewhere around there. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. So, Tammy, did you, were you like aware of what was going on with her? Or what was your first clue that something was going on? Um, so a couple of her friends had told me, uh, you know, that she was dabbling in 
and drugs. And, you know, she was living home at the time. So I was like, all right, well, I, I can see her every day. So I didn't, I, I was watching and I'm like, well, you know, like maybe there's a few signs here and there. And like, there's one day that I was, I was definitely really scared was the day that she passed out, um, literally laying across her bed like this. Um, and she wasn't on the bed, but she wasn't off the bed. Um, and I, I bumped her like pretty hard and like, she didn't wake up and I'm like, this is, this is not good. This is not good. So I bumped her harder and she woke up and she just said, oh, I'm, I'm just really, really tired. So I just kind of filed that at that point. So I'm like, all right, well, something's going on because this isn't, this isn't my daughter. Right. Um, and then I started to, um, you know, just kind of watch everything. And there was at one point where there was a time that was kind of, you know, another kind of scary time like that. And I just, I, I confronted her about it. And like, if you know anything about my daughter, she doesn't take confrontation very well. She, her, her, her go-to is to run away. So like at that point, when I confronted her, she took off with Tyler. And then I was really scared because now I couldn't see her. Um, so that was, you know, and then I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to start doing some research. How can I, how can I help her? Because I know, like, I know I need to help her because it's just like, this isn't my daughter. Right. Um, and Tyler was her boyfriend, right? Tyler was her boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Brian, how did you get involved in Diane? How did you guys get involved in this? <laughs> she wasn't showing up to any of the uh, family functions or anything like that. And she oh. used to always be there. Okay. And so did you talk to Tammy or did you confront Lexi? How did it go from there? We all kind of got together to try and figure out what was going on. You know, and we, we were told several times that she was at certain locations. So once we found out where she was, we, we'd go out looking for her and she wasn't there. She'd already moved on to another place and stuff like that. Okay. Diane, you were going to say something? And then Bob came in and kind of steered us in the right direction, what to do. Understood. And the main thing was getting her out of that house and away from them. Yeah. Right. So I had to make up a lie about my mom being sick and that Lexi needed to go see her. And then Tyler says, well, I'm going too. And I said, no, she doesn't want anybody. So we, and he just kind of locked me out after that. Cause I think he knew. Exactly. But Divide and Bob conquer at that and point. Said, Bob says, okay, Tyler's gone. I already turned him in. So <laughs> the cops took him away and that was my chance. And I flew up there, got her out of the house and brought her down to my house, my mother's house and mine. And that's when we started the intervention. Okay. So Bobby, when did they contact you and, and how did, or who contacted you? How did that go down? I, I got contacted by the treatment center that she went to um, at Narcan on Arrowhead. They con or, you know, the uh, management at Narcan on, they called me to help uh, Tammy. And then they put me on the phone with Tammy and then we worked out, you know, how we were going to pull this off or, you know, we started the process of 
you know, putting together the intervention and I, that's, that's how it started. So, so, so take us through that. Tell, tell us what you do there. I know we've heard about it, you know, just from your viewpoint, but how did that, what did you do? Well, one of the things that, you know, the, the, the Tammy had worked out, you know, this is the program that she wants. And then they put her in touch with me. And then we talked about, I, I, I don't remember. I remember the conversation we had at your house. When I got there, I don't remember the conversation we had necessarily on the phone, but I remember arriving and meeting you at your house and meeting your friend and talking to you and asking some questions. And I'm in the back of my mind thinking, how in the heck am I going to pull this off? I don't, you know, I got nothing to work with. I don't even know where this girl's at, but I got to help this woman. I got to help this family. So that's what I, that's kind of what was going through my head. I was like, so it was from really from a, um, it worked out beautifully and everybody worked wonderfully, but it was definitely one of those things like I was scratching my head going, okay. <laughs> so what was the plan? I mean, how did it, how did Tammy, how did that happen? Cause he doesn't even know where Lexi is. Did you know where Lexi was at the time? So I had a, I had a couple of um, inklings. So we had been um, kind of scouting her and, and knowing like a couple of the friends we would do some, research on like their addresses. So I have this thing called white pages where you can kind of look up people. So it'll kind of give you a general idea of where they are. Um, at that point I was actually, uh, so Lexi and Tyler disappeared. Um, so Tyler's mom contacted me cause she was scared. And I, I kind of just said to her, I'm like, Oh, now who's scared because they can't find their child, uh-huh. you know? And it was like, so I kind of, befriended her to trick her into helping me find Lexi not telling her the whole thing of what my plan was right Um, I had I had um done some research and I knew a 30-day program was not going to help my daughter very Um, good point um so I knew that a 30-day program and if if I didn't get her out of here um he was going to get his clutches back into her and there's no way I was going to help her I'm right. like, I have one shot at this. Yeah. <laughs> Lexi, you look like you wanted to weigh in with something. I saw your little hand uh, go up. Hi, Jeffy. <laughs> so, yeah, no, so I, I don't know exactly at what point either, but so at one point there was also conversation between my mom and my ex on my phone. And one day I woke up. And there was one message, the only message that I saw. And it was, if you come back, I'm changing the locks. If you come back here, I'm calling the cops. Now, mind you, I thought it was for me because it was on my phone. It was under my name. And uh, so that definitely didn't help with them trying to locate me because I was like, well, now I have no one. Like, I don't even have my mom on my side. So I just wanted to add that little piece. I I get it. I get it. So... Sounds like Diane, did you come up with a bright idea about telling Lexi that your mom was sick or was that Tammy's idea? Yeah. I, I kind of said, you know, she's going to come and see her great grandmother. You know, if anything, that's who she's going to go see. And oh, okay. So Lexi, you obviously believed it, that your great grandmother was sick and that you had to go see her. Correct. I don't know how much I believed it, but for me, if I hadn't gone and she really was sick, I wouldn't have been able to live with that with myself more than anything because they knew my great grandmother was like the world to me. Understood. 
And I'm very grateful I've had, I got that extra, you know, almost two years, two and a half years uh, with her. So, you know, I'm very grateful. <laughs> okay. And she's passed on, right? Yeah. She passed away almost a year ago. Oh, I'm sorry. That's so, it. so Brian, were you involved in this process there? Did you like restrain the boyfriend or? No, I tried finding him. <laughs> okay. That's a funny and, story. and were you successful? Did you find him? Um, I found his location a couple of times, but by the time anybody went to go see about him, they were already gone. They were bouncing around, so it was hard to keep track of them. Understood. Lexi, is he still addicted as far as you know? I mean, based off of evidence, I would say there is a 99.9% chance that he is still doing drugs. That's too bad. Okay, so you got her. You got Lexi where you wanted her. Um, Bobby, what happened then? Well, it was funny because it, I, I have to. I, I feel the need to tell this story because we didn't. We knew nothing going in, and you know, we knew, didn't know where she was at. And it was like, so I okay, who does she hang out with? And the only thing that I rem, I remember talking to you, Tammy, at her house, and she told me about a friend that you know that worked at a pizza shop, and I can't remember the friend's name, but he worked at the pizza shop. So I went down to the pizza shop, and I sat there for about I don't know four hours. And I'm listening and I talked to this one kid about, you know, I thought, well, I better have some food. So he gave me this recommendation on some chicken wings and I ate the chicken wings and I'm fiddling around there. And I can't remember, but I'm waiting to hear if I, you know, and I thought, well, I don't know how much longer I'm going to sit here. And finally a local guy came, a regular comes in and he says the kid's name. And, and the kid was the one who was managing the place. So I thought, well, that's the kid I'm looking for. That's the friend. So I waited for him and I set out my car and I waited for him, but he was the manager of the little pizza shop. So I go in and I wait for him to come out. And I said to him, I said, uh, you know, or, and I said his name, I can't remember his name, but I, and I said, do you know, Tyler and Lexi? And he goes, you know, I could see the look on his face. He did. And I'm like, so, you know, I, I, it would be in the best interest for, for Tyler and Lexi, if Lexi were to let her family know where she's at, just be in the best interest of everybody. And I said, and I told him the story about these kids that had gotten pulled over and somebody, there was drugs in the car. And it happened. And I said, there was a kid in there. And, it, and I, it just, I act like it dawned on me that, you know, oh yeah, it's got the same name. I want to say his name was Ryan, but I'm not sure. But anyway, um, and he goes, I said, was that you? And he goes, oh no, that wasn't me. And I said, oh, well, oh, okay. Well, you don't seem like that kind of kid anyway. So, and I went on, well, he, they, he didn't know who I am. He didn't, he didn't know if I'm the FBI or what. So it was about 30 minutes later, Tammy calls me and said, I don't know what you did, but you know, because then uh, I guess they were call calling her and saying, hey, she's here. She's OK. And so we knew where she's at. So then I talked to the, uh, the rest of the family. and We came up with the idea that, uh, you know, uh, Diane was going to go over and try to get her out of there. And that was the and that's what happened. But I but I went over to I got the location and I drove by down the street and I'm driving down the street and I see these two kids sitting on the side of the road. They're huddled up on the side of the road. I don't know if even Lexi knows this now, but I, I took a picture of them and snapped it and I sent it to Tammy and I said, is this her? And she said, yeah. And so that's her. <laughs> and so uh, we, we, then we, that's when we came up with the plan for Diane to go over and, and uh, that didn't work. So, um, well, I thought, well, what the heck? And I went over and talked to Brian. At, behind, I don't know if you remember this or not, Brian, but I talked to you and your friend out there behind your house and out there you were, you had a fire going. <laughs> yeah. And he, he said, uh, he said, um, you give me till eight o'clock in the morning. 
I didn't know about this till today, but if you'll give me till eight o'clock in the morning, I, I, I will, we'll handle the boyfriend. And I said, and then they started asking me, well, I was being asked by others. Well, what does that mean? I said, like, I don't know. And I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not asking. He can, he, but he, he, I knew he meant what he said. I, I had no doubt that, that the, the boyfriend was not going to be a problem. With so I went back over and I thought, well, I don't have anything to do. So I went back over and I wait, was waiting around and I saw these They come back down the street. They're outside. And I'm parked right there. I don't know if they still, she doesn't know this, but I watched them for like probably 45 minutes. And they were, I was on the phone with somebody else. And then they made a, then they made the Tyler made a deal with somebody else. And, and uh, that's why, and then I called 911. So, and I called, I think I called, might have talked to Diane. I, I think I called Diane and she's like, well, can you call 911? And I said, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not going to get my hopes up, but I'll try. And it just, the timing was impeccable because they showed up. And then by the time Tyler and Lexi made it back down the street, the, the police went down there and got him and carted him off, which that's what I called Diane back. And that's what, that's how that happened. But anyway, that's not the question you asked me, but that's the story. <laughs> no, but it's a great story. Yeah. Okay. So now you've got Tyler out of the picture, so to speak. Tell us then about the intervention. What happened then? Did when did you realize, obviously, Lexi, that this was not all about your great grandmother? Correct. I kind of knew. I mean, I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I kind of knew, and I and I also knew, like, because in the situation that we were in, I was like, because so it's funny because my ex, when he slammed the door in her face that pissed me off. Oh, okay. I was mad because that's my family. Yeah. At the end of the day, my family's still my family, regardless of what's going on. And, um, it was in Diane's face. He slammed the door in Diane's face. I'm pretty sure that it was yours, right? Yep. She's nodding. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in view, so I didn't know exactly what was going on, but he turned around and he was like, they're going to try to trap you. They're going to try to take you from me. Like, talking all sorts of craziness and I was just like sitting there like almost dumbfounded like I what is going on right now like it was almost like I was I was the tug toy between two dogs and which one was stronger and um so then my (laughs) I'm gonna put my I'm gonna put my money on Diane I'm just saying I don't know Tyler but I'm gonna put my money on Diane my mom always says he might have won the battles, but I won the war. So, you know, <laughs> um, and so when my grandmother had came back, obviously they were still playing along with the whole my great grandmother was sick and ill. And um, another thing that helped boost it along with me, you know, choosing to go with her was my great grandmother actually called me at one point. And said that if I didn't come see her, then she didn't want to ever see me again. So that one, that one hurt. That yeah. one, that one hurt. <laughs> yep. Maybe even um, more than changing the locks. I don't know. That's a tough one. Yes. Yeah. I'm, well, no, I, I'd say those are pretty equal because, you know, yeah. yeah so I get it. <laughs> Um, and then I remember I find, so I like went and I like got ready and I put on some clothes and stuff. And, uh, I remember going down and my grandmother was like, do you know how to get, get out of here? 
I don't really know if I know how to get out of here. I was like, I can look it up for you. She goes, no, that's okay. And uh, I, I later found out it's because of all the messages between Bobby and her and my mom and Uncle Brian, and she didn't want me to see them. She goes, I think I recognize this bridge. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> uh, I then, take it you were in a part of town that was not known to your mom and your grandmother and your uncle. Yes. Okay. So where did, where did, you, where did the intervention actually take place? It happened on, so my grandmother owns a duplex and my great grandmother was living on the other side and it happened on the other side of my great grandmother's living room. And I remember I was walking in and all of a sudden my uncle pops out of one corner. (laughs) I go out the front door, some stranger who's not now known as Bobby (laughs) comes in through the front door and then we sit down and it took a little because I'm assuming my mom was, you know, trying to gather herself before my mom walked in. And uh, I remember sitting there going, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Understood. And Diane, were you part of the actual intervention? Were you in on that as well? Yes, I was. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I had to get her out first. Yes. And then, you know took her straight. And the reason why I didn't want her picking up my phone was because of all the messages. And I said, no, I think I know, but I was trying to stall and go really slow. So they all had time to get to my house to do the intervention. So I said, I think I know my way. And I just drove really slow. I mean, I wasn't even doing the speed limit. (laughs) You know, and well done you for doing what it takes. I mean, all three of you, it's not pleasant necessarily to get your loved one out of that type of situation and well done you diane i would i don't know that i would like to meet you in a dark alley because you're you tyler you are one you're one tough cookie you know i'm just saying so okay so bobby then back to you walk us through what you did there so now you've got um brian and diane and tammy all there talk to us well, we had planned, you know, we had talked about different scenarios because we were really kind of flying by the seat of our pants, not that we were, we didn't have total control of what we're, but until Diane was able to get her in the car and on the way, then we were like, okay, and then everybody goes into action. And these guys did, you know, it's, it's, it's a one, getting the family to work together and telling the do's and don'ts. And we, you know, it's a, it's a really, what we're operating off of is a really good guess. We're going to do the best we can. We're, it's not going to be perfect. We're going to do the best we can. And once the family knows what to do and what not to do, they usually figure it out for themselves. And this is a classic example. These guys did exactly what they needed to do. And, you know, hit bumps. And I don't even know that I, I, I can't even think of, you know, uh, any hiccups except for the ticket I got and the. <laughs> but, uh, but that was on the way but we were already out of there but everything was great and, and it was uh so we sat down and we basically explained to her how we felt i mean the family did anyway anyway that how we this is we care about you we love you we care about you and you know we see this you're, you're slipping away from us and, and we don't like it and we want that not we want to prevent that from happening that was essentially what they said to them what said to her and you could tell by looking at her that that was a big impact on her right when the intervention was going it was like you could tell this was really yeah and and i think one of the things you've said and i think you said this even when we were talking beforehand is that you have to have all of the family members 
in agreement and yeah. on the same page that they will do and say whatever they need to say and do to get the person to agree to go to treatment. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Okay. Diane, yes. Oh, Diane was first, Lexi. <laughs> I know what she's going to say. I had to promise her and go on a plane. I never flew on a plane. I was petrified. <laughs> and the only way she would go was if I went on the plane and took her. Wow. So I, I said, swallowed my pride going... and did it. <laughs> I said, if I'm going to rehab, you're going on a plane for the first time. <laughs> wow. And you did, Diane. You can find it. I did. Hey, my kids and my grandkids are everything to me. So, you know, and you make a good point. It's like you do whatever you have to do as a family member. And, you know, I maybe some people listening don't realize how far they might have to go. But there you go. So, Lexi, what was the point at which when they were all talking to you that you thought to yourself, I guess I better do this? Well, so I kind of always like knew that. I needed to get help. I never knew how to ask for it because like my mom said, I'm not very good with confrontation and uh, I never liked to get in trouble. And so I almost essentially felt like I was going to get in trouble. But so I'd have to say that one, one of the main things was everyone bringing up like how I used to be like the light to everyone and how it always make everyone happy and that they missed who I, who I really was. Um, and then I'd have to say the final tip on the iceberg was seeing a grown man cry. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name or you can email us at the addiction podcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, the addiction podcast.com or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. Uncle Brian. (laughs) So (laughs) I had missed, I think it was two, like one of each of his son's birthdays. And he was talking about how um, he wanted his aunt, their aunt Lexi, even though I'm their cousin, I'm so much older that they just call me Aunt Lexi, um, you know, to see them graduate. And then he started crying and I was like, wow. Okay. Like, you know, like that, that's crazy. I was like, I want to be there. I want to be there for everyone. And I'm a huge family person. Like you all usually always see me at every family event. If I miss one, I'm either dying or I got really lost. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and that's so, what Brian yeah. said. He said that was his first clue was that you were missing some of these events that he knew were important to you. Hmm. Right, Brian? I mean, what would cause that? Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I put the camera on you there, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, oh, Tammy. Yes, ma'am. So I think also, I don't know if Lexi remembers this, but my, uh, my grandmother, which is her great grandmother, her, the letter after she read that her letter, mm -hmm. it was like, you could just see Lexi go, okay, I really have to go. Okay. This was a letter from the great grandmother who was not sick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. <laughs> what did she say, Lexi? What do you remember that she said? don't really remember per se every like details but I do remember so I remember when I walked in because I looked horrible like anorexia horrible like skin and bones and I remember when I walked in she's like trying to like you know put forth a front but I could like see it in her face when she saw me like what happened to my great granddaughter? Um, so that was like an, an eye opener for me. But, you know, everyone, you know, always said, you know, everyone basically said, you know, along the same lines. And, you know, I heard it from my mom and I heard it from my grandma and I heard it from my uncle and and I heard it from her. And I was just like, like, I like I I need to do this. I was like, I need to do this for them, if not for me but I also need to do it for me. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was so successful because that's not who I was. Right. And, you know, I have no problem. In fact, my friend will say to me sometimes, she's like, why do you always have a smile on your face when you're telling your story? And I'm like, because I'm alive, because I'm here today. Like, it's something to be proud of. I'm here. Like, I, you know, I'm proud of it. And, um, yeah, so it was kind of like she's getting old and, like, you know, I knew she didn't have a whole lot of time left. And, you know, if she's asking me for help on top of everyone else, it's like I only have a window this big. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of like, I'm going to do this for all of them. Um, yeah. Understood. The right decision. So you went to... Narconon Arrowhead, is that correct? Okay. Tell us just a little bit about the program. And, you know, most notably, I think, is like when during the program that you kind of knew that you were kind of, you turned a corner and that now you were going to, it was going to be possible for you to be clean and sober. Um. So I would have to say I was a, not a unique case, but a unique case because I walked in going, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to do this for myself and my family. So I never really pitched a hissy fit to anyone, per se, because some people some people do because they, they're not there by choice. Right. And, um, you know, so I was just, you know, going through the steps. And I, you know, it was kind of cool because as I kept going, I started to see myself come back. 
And I remember calling my mom at one point and I was like, aren't you happy to have your old Lexi bag? And I'm like giggling and laughing and cracking jokes and, you know, doing all of that stuff. Um, but I'd have to say when I, when you get to the very end of the program and you're like writing, uh, well, actually back it up a step. So there's a pro- part of the program where you're, um, going through like the people in your life and figuring out if they're good or bad. Um, you know, that was kind of like an eye opener of like, okay, so this is my circle. This is where I need to keep my circle. Um, and, you know, it wasn't hard to cut out my ex because it goes way further than just, you know, the drugs and the, and stuff like that. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, I got this. And I was like, and then when I got to the part where you write down like the things that you did wrong, I struggled with that because one thing about when you date that type of person is the lines get blurry because you might not have actually done anything wrong, but they've like master manipulated you into thinking that you did wrong. And that's why they're, they are the way they are. And I would say that was really rough. It was really rough for me because I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I did wrong and what I didn't do wrong. And it took me a while to like sort out, okay, what, what's actually my burden and not, the burden I took on from him. Um, that's and a very once good I, like, point. That's a very good point, Lexi. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, and writing those, I think definitely like you feel like a whole new person. You feel so much like lighter because everything you ever did wrong before you started doing drugs, while you're doing drugs, um, you know, you don't have to like carry it around anymore. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. I still write them to this day. That's awesome. I think it's a good practice. Tammy, when during the program did you realize that this was going to work and you were going to get your daughter back? So um, so they, in the beginning, there was like a couple of... Um, so after Lexi went, um, Tyler and his mother basically harassed me. Oh. Um, yeah, so they like... <laughs> They're like, we're going to go get Lexi back. Where is she? Um, which is good. The reason why I sent her so far away, because I knew I'm like, A, I knew 30 day program um, that doesn't actually dive into why you started drugs in the first place. is not going to help. Exactly. Um, and B, I knew I had to get him, get her far away so that he couldn't drive to her. Um, so when in the first couple of days they were i mean i i still have them i have the voicemail messages that his mother left me um and why his mother was she i mean oh, did she not druggie. know tyler was addicted uh, she doesn't she's a druggie too so oh, she didn't of course. you know it's like a family thing over there understood <laughs> so yeah so she uh she i mean she just left me nasty messages and i'm sure um because Lexi beforehand had some, her father passed away when she was four. So she had some inheritance money. Um, and he knew that she had this money. So he, the, and that's, I guess that's how I knew that there was something really wrong because I don't know if you know Lexi, but she's very tight with her money. Um, so when I saw her blow through $30,000 in one month, I was like, 
whoa, what is going on? Um, so yeah, so I, once I got her to rehab, like he continued to harass me because he wanted the money because the money is what supported their habit. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's like, you know, um, she's my wife. Uh, cause he tricked her in one of the drunken stupors to, to marry him. Um, she's my wife. I I'm allowed to know where my wife is. Wow. Um, just really nasty stuff. And I said, look, you basically almost killed my daughter. Like if I didn't find her that when they, when she first went in, they um, probably after two days, cause you don't have contact for the first two days. Um, they had to send her to the hospital because she was so low in potassium that they weren't even sure how she was standing up. Wow. Um, so I think after, after she came back after, you know, being hospitalized and having all the, the IVs and everything, um, after a week, I could start to see a difference in her. Um, and then after two weeks, she was like, she said to me, she's like, you tricked me. This isn't a 30 day program. I'm not, I'm going to be home for summer or I forget what for summer. I think she said, she's like, I'm not going to be home for summer. She's like, you tricked me. And I'm like, I'm like, you're going to be there for as long as it takes for you to get better and for you to get your mind. Right. And I wasn't in a rush though. Yeah, no, she wasn't. She wasn't, but she, she, you know, her and I have this thing where we joke back and forth. It's like, you know, (laughs) I get it when I knew I had my daughter back. Good. So yeah, it was great. That's awesome. Diane and Brian, did she talk to you while she was in rehab? Did you? Yes. And when did you kind of know that, okay, we've got our Lexi back? When she started asking for her goodies. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I would go on Walmart and do whatever she wanted and just have it mailed right to there. So, and she would call me at least once a week. And just to keep me so that I knew she was okay, because it was pretty scary bringing her there Yeah. because all she did was vomit the whole way. And I was so scared, but thank God to Bob, he explained what was going on. Okay. So I knew. You were with them, so, Bobby, when they flew to Arrowhead, you were there? Yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. I mean, that was, that's quite a story in, in and of itself. But, and Lexi, uh, you were vomiting the whole time? Yeah, because I actually hadn't had anything for a few hours. Oh. I mean, we did a little bit, but it wasn't like enough. Okay. So I was already by the time, well, because that was a story and a half. Okay. And, you know, Bobby got pulled over. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah, Bobby, you got to tell us about the ticket. I mean, come on. Stupid. My grandmother yeah. warned him. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pro uh, law enforcement, but does, not with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> not that guy. And that, at that moment, it, you know, in a, Four lane highway going both through eight lanes. I think it was eight lanes total, you know, at a little bitty stretch of highway, you know, and they got it bumped down to, I don't even know, 50 miles. And I don't even know what it was, but it was just a little stretch. And I was in a hurry and, you know, it was dark. It wasn't, there was no, even, I don't even know that you could see the speed limit signs, but uh, what the. <laughs> Keep on justifying there, Bobby. <laughs> yes. Small price to pay. Small price to pay. That's all I can say. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so sorry. Back to you, Diane. So it was pretty rough taking her there. And then, yeah. But then yeah. she started asking you for goodies. Yeah. Yeah. Once she called and we, you know, 
crack jokes and you know, she said, I, I need um, gummy bears. <laughs> Not a problem. You tell me what you want, I'll send it to you. <laughs> I love it. Brian, did she call you as well from rehab? Yeah, we basically played phone tag. Lexi would call one person. They didn't, if they couldn't answer, then she'd go to the next, and then to the next. And then she was like, oh, somebody's calling me back. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Was- so, if Lexi, if you had advice to give to any families who are listening, who maybe have a loved one that is having a substance abuse problem, what would you say to them? Well, um, I, I mean, cause I guess everyone's different, but you know, for me, it was, them hitting home like know what the person's home is and don't be afraid you know per se to cry in front of them you know be vulnerable with them because for me seeing that from all of my family members is kind of is one of the biggest factors was wow like I hurt like seeing it right in front of your face I hurt every single one of them in their own ways. Um, and that really, you know, helped me with making, you know, that final leap and saying, okay, fine, just take me. Um, and then once you get there, you know, it's not going to be easy. Rehab isn't easy, but it's, it's well worth it because I'll run into a situation today and I'm like, okay, remember step three. Cause I don't know if I'm allowed to like say, sure, you know, sure. go Absolutely. into details, but like, so like confronting and, um, you know, our objectives and, you know, okay, take those tools that you learned and use them, Lexi. Um, and it's really helped because I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for that program, like doing the podcast, because I'm not a, um, I don't, I don't do public speaking and stuff like that. So I was definitely a little nervous first getting on here. Um, well, I would just like to interrupt and say that you're absolutely amazing. And you could stand up in front of any group and tell your story and hugely valuable. And I understand if it makes you nervous. I'm not trying to push you into something that you're not comfortable with. But I'm going to tell you right now, you have been absolutely perfect, all of you, on the podcast today. And you could tell anybody your story. And I think it would be very meaningful. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for allowing me to. Absolutely. Tammy, talk to the mothers. What would you say to them? Oh, man, don't give up. Um, There was a point where I almost gave up and definitely don't do it. No, because you have your daughter back. You do. And like, it was, it was probably the third try that we had that we were trying, you know, Bobby's like, well, Bobby said to me, well, you already paid me for the week. So he's like, I might as well hang out here for the week and keep trying. Um, because I mean, we tried, we tried almost everything. And I'm like, he just has her in her in his clutches. And I'm like, and I think I remember telling my mom that if, if I have to bury her, you're burying me too. Aww. And she's like, don't do that to me. Understood. Don't give up. 
best advice ever. Diane, what would your advice be to grandmothers who maybe have a grandchild who's addicted? What would you say? Um, Be stubborn like I am and just insist and, and try to convince them that family is it. Family is everything. And I will always be there for her. I love that. And Brian, you're a big tough guy. You weren't afraid to cry. I like that. What kind of advice would you give to family members? You know, try not to give up on them and know that your family is going to be there to help you through anything you have. Yep. That's great. I think you guys are a great example of a family doing the right thing. Lexi, what are you doing these days? What's your... What's your goal? Where are you headed? A lot. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm very fortunate that my mom has her own business. So I work for my mom and I have ever since I came out of rehab. Um, I'm currently trying to save up to buy a mini home, like one that's like the size of an apartment, but so that I can start, you know, building in my name. Um, and at the same time, I'm also going to school for nursing because I would like to be in the medical medical field. Um, ideally, if I can make it further, that would be my my bigger goal. But for now, I'm just going to get my feet wet and start getting in there as as a nurse. I think I think that's awesome, Bobby. Thank you so much for arranging this podcast today. I just think that this one is going to resonate with all of our listeners. You're quite welcome. And I want to thank these guys for being here and agreeing to do it and share their story. And I just have to validate every, each and every one of them because they, they made the decision and they stuck with their, their decision and their resolve and their intention. It was there from the start. And, and that for me is, you know, it's an intervention as to helping families is you got to have that. It's, this is a group thing. It's not just you know, it's a group effort. And they, and so I, I really, really appreciate who these people are. And they, they're, I got to say, you know, from Tammy, when I sat down with her, it was like, I knew, I said, you know, she's going to, this is a, this is a desperate mom trying to help her daughter, you know, and I, I, I learned from every per- family that I help, I learn and I learned things, you know, uh, from these guys. And um, then, I, and then I met Diane and I'm like, oh, well, she speaks for herself. Then I met Brian, he speaks for himself. And, and the truth is, is that each one of these guys has their own resilience. Lexi on the way, which was an overnight trip, red eye from New York to Dallas. I never, I knew she was miserable, but she never really complained. Wow. Never really complained, which is really unheard of in this day and age. These guys, you know, I mean, she's like, she's like this old guard, you know, person like, you know, and, and then Diane never having flown on a plane, not only took a red eye, from I think Philadelphia to to Dallas, then had to turn around and get on a plane right back to New York, which was I, I'm like I don't know I feel I felt terrible for her because I thought <laughs> you know I'm gonna go I'm gonna be asleep in about two or three hours and she's got to fly back. It was kind of so there's a lot of toughness and resilience and a true intention and, a, and the decision was made that this was going to turn around. So well. I cannot thank you enough. And Brian, Diane, Tammy, you guys totally, you know, you, you, um, what's the word? You are the epitome of a family caring and doing whatever it takes to help your loved one. And Lexi, 
all the best of success to you. And I'm just saying, you could do this as a as a job if you wanted to be a public speaker. And that's the other thing is like I want to I appreciate you guys being willing to share this because so often when a family has a loved one who's addicted, they don't want to talk about it and they don't want anybody to know. You guys are not afraid to ask for help and that's that's huge. Yes, Lexi, go ahead. I would just like to add, Bobby, you're going to be forever part of the family because if it wasn't for you, like I wouldn't be here today. If my mom didn't, you know, get in touch with you, you know, because like my mom had mentioned, I went to the hospital the next day and the doctor had said to me, I don't know how you walked in here. And I turned around to her and I said, that's because I'm a trooper. And she started laughing, <laughs> but you know, like if he hadn't gotten me when he did, who, who knows what would have happened in the next 24 to 48 hours. So I will be forever grateful for you, Bobby. Thank you. I love it. Thank, Thank you. you all. Okay. I am probably more excited about this podcast than I have been about any in a very long time. Um, you know, we, typically schedule these podcasts out weeks in advance, but I'm going to move this one up because it is so impactful. And if you have a loved one who is addicted, you need to watch and listen to this podcast maybe over and over again. And if you really want help, you need to contact Bobby Newman. Um, I will put his phone number up. I will put his contact information up on the video. If you listen, um, We talk about him in the middle because he also advertises with us. And yeah, you're going to want to contact Bobby. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week with another interview and have a good one. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.